from Relay FM. This is download recorded Thursday, June the 14th, 2018. This is episode number 59, Infinite Hyde Park Corner. Welcome back to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff you might care about. I'm Jason Snell, your host. I'm joined by two wonderful guests, web developer and podcast person. Jessica Dennis is here. Hello. (laughs) Yeah, that is indeed what it says on my uh, business cards. Um, Hi, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, welcome back. It's good. Yes, you are a, a citizen of Podcast Nation, maybe? I don't know. Well work that one out also another podcast person host of remaster uh here on relay fm and a game developer in his own right shahid kamal ahmad hello shahid hello welcome back thank you for having me and of course Stephen hackett is here he makes the show happen every week and uh then he's like uh in the bushes ready to pop out and talk about <laughs> things when we when he feels like it hi Stephen. hey that makes it sound super creepy just like hey guys i'm watching you uh I don't know about you, Jason. I'm I'm experiencing this week the letdown of recording remotely again because we did this show in person last week. We did a lot of shows in person last week. It's true. And and now, um, as there's photographic evidence, I can't touch your face during a podcast anymore. No, well, you know there are some positives to the whole thing. Uh, yeah, Stephen did touch my face last week. I did, and I That's made weird. it the header art on the download Twitter account. Oh, good. So everyone can experience it that's what underscore download fm uh it is check that and if out if you want to make everybody. a fracture of that email oh, me and i'll send you the full rest copy <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> all right uh let's uh let's move on then i think that's i think that's enough of that we should move on to the most interesting stories of the week as chosen by Stephen and me um and in the case of topic number one also chosen by our guests because we're going to talk about e3 the uh, the big big week for gaming announcements and I yes I did pick people who have some opinions in about game related things just because I thought that would might be fun to do and uh, so we asked them to bring some uh, things that they were interested in rather than trying to have me summarize all the announcements that happened at E three I thought we'd all sort of share some feelings about things that we thought were interesting that we noticed at E three uh, this week and I thought we would start with uh, Jessica do you have a uh, something that caught your eye this week at E3? Sure. Um, the funny thing about E3 for me as a mostly ma- uh, mobile gamer is that there isn't it's this event isn't really for us. A few mobile titles were announced, but they aren't like my kind of games. However, the one thing that I have like massive feelings about is Ooblets. I've been watching um, the, over Twitter this game kind of coming into being, and it's and I'm a Patreon backer, and I recommend everybody else be one, also. But um, so Ooblets is this game where it just everything is totally adorable, and their big announcement at E3 was uh, previously so there was sort of a you know a collection mechanic with these little creatures that you have. Um, and they would battle each other, and that's how you'd capture them, kind of like Pokemon. But the big announcement um, this week was that instead of having basically dogfighting your adorable little creatures, which always feels kind of weird, um, as somebody who didn't play Pokemon Young, this is like, but huh. they're so cute, I don't want them to fight. Um, so now the Ooblets uh, me- mechanic is going to be a dance-off, which I just adore, and I think it's so perfect. It's such a good concept for the game. And I- I've been saying to myself for the longest time, I 
I really hope I like the gameplay in this game because I want it. <laughs> I want it desperately. It looks adorable. Isn't it, though? Yeah. And there are little pins for all the little creatures. Like, I want to buy all the merch now before I even know if I like it. <laughs> that's how adorable well, that's it is. that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Shahid, uh, do you have uh, something that you noticed that you I think is worth talking about? Well, there's um, a ton of stuff. An absolute <laughs> metric ton of sequels and follow-ups and that kind of thing. Very much an E3 of consolidation. But there are a couple of games I really liked. I mean, I'm a sci-fi fanatic and so the games that really stuck out for me were control by remedy Uh and uh, it was very hard to make sense of what the game itself was going to be but it just looked like my bag you had lots of environmental changes going on and you had telekinesis and you know all of that good sci-fi stuff and uh it's uh it's it's made by the same people who made um alan wake so you know it should be cool I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that. It's intriguing enough without giving too much away. Yeah, so. this is one of those things where it's it's very moody and it looks really interesting and you wonder what's going on, uh, which I think is good for a game trailer. And it doesn't come out until 2019. So, you know, all the details of exactly what's going on and how it works are, are to come later. But it, it certainly looks fascinating. And uh, I'm with you kind of right up my alley in terms of like the tone. It looks kind of mysterious and weird and futuristic and cool. Right. I mean, at this stage, all it's got to do is arouse my curiosity and it did that great so so great that that was a good job <laughs> and the other one i really i really liked was um uh a game i didn't expect actually from cd project red which was cyberpunk 2077 i don't know if you say 2077 but i say 2077 i don't know if that's a uk thing or no, what i but, think that's uh, good yeah, yeah. Okay, because you know people don't say twenty oh one, two thousand and one, a space odyssey. I wonder how it sounded. It was twenty oh one, a space odyssey. I think when I when we got to twenty ten, I if my personal style guide. When we got to twenty ten, I switched to twenty from two thousand because then we were we were like past the two thousand nine. Twenty twenty oh nine seemed silly, but twenty ten <laughs> seemed fine. So now we're in twenty eighteen. It works for me, uh, and it's but it's Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, way out in the future. It, it is. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm comfortable now. Thank you. Oh man, that was close. I have no idea whether I'm offending the American audience. You see, and I'm 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 sure I'd we're like offending to be somebody. Not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so what caught your eye in Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven? Everything. It was GTA five in a sci fi world with all kinds of cool technology and uh, crazy good visuals. And it's by the team who made The Witcher, right? So it's going to be fantastic. It's got to be fantastic. And it's not too too far in the future that it's ridiculous. Um, and, and there's just some really powerful visuals going on, you know, seeing that shot of um, seemingly a person's eyes and then the camera pans down you see that there's no mouth just a huge hole full of electronics and mm-hmm. that kind of thing and heads up displays everywhere you look diegetic user interface everywhere all the things that press my buttons and they did that a thousand times over uh in that trailer no idea if that's game footage or what but i don't care uh <laughs> I, I i have signed up that's the one i want so those two really stuck out for me and um yeah sci-fi it's all the way. The um, I, I have a funny little bit of backstory about Cyberpunk 2077. It's based on a role-playing game that people might 
remember that we often is referred to as cyberpunk but it's funnier than that um the game was originally called cyberpunk 2013 (laughs) when it was released in 1988 and then when they did a, a new edition they changed it to cyberpunk 2020 the third edition, I think they just called 3.0 because they realized that you probably shouldn't just keep kicking the can down the road. So full credit to CD Projekt Red for naming it 2077, putting it far a little further in the future. Just push that, push it out a little bit. It's, it's always, as fans of Max Headroom will tell you, it's always 20 minutes into the future. Just enough to be futuristic whenever we are it's just a little bit ahead of that i have a couple um even though i'm not a huge uh huge game person i have many many uh uh, game consoles and devices in my house i also have gaming people in my house my son is a huge gamer game player um and he was most excited so this is like his topic he was most excited by the new uh smash brothers for the switch that is going to have every character ever in super smash brothers uh all together <laughs> and like all the worlds and we have smash bros for the um for the wii u and um, the impression i get is that this is mostly that game but with a content update where nintendo is basically emptying the vaults but i feel like uh, this is what nintendo should be doing all the time is just empty the vaults just you you own so much intellectual property at this point just pour it all in and with this game they're doing that so he was super excited about that this is a game that he plays with his friends all the time it is a completely bananas fighting game for those who don't know and uh just it's a lot of fun to watch and they play it all the time so he was really excited about that i was excited about two other announcements i don't have a ps4 which is makes all of the trailers for the spider-man game uh make me really sad uh or or worried that i'm gonna buy ps4 because i've been a fan of spider-man since i was a kid and i gotta say the legacy of spider-man video games is not good (laughs) they're they're okay spider-man video games out there but this one looks like it really gets spider-man in a way that it's kind of got a um a batman arkham kind of fighting vibe to it but it's also got the web swinging stuff that is very and a lot of like web shooter kind of stuff that is very spider-man that's that's how spider-man works um it looks like the best spider-man game uh made and one of the only ones that really gets spider-man but I got to be honest, the thing that excited me the most of all the announcements this week was that Killer Queen, well, Killer Queen Black is the name of the edition that's coming to the Switch. Killer Queen is this indie video game that I've only ever played on a console, and it's a giant console with four people on either side of the console. And it's basically Joust, which was my very favorite classic arcade game as a kid and to this day, my all-time favorite arcade game. Um, but it's multiplayer Joust with teams and uh, a whole bunch of different winning conditions you can you can win the game like three different ways there's a tug of war with slugs or snails that you have to do or you can collect things from the beehive there's all sorts of different ways to win it is fast-paced and hilarious and so great with eight people and they're doing it on switch with multiplayer um and i think that's going to be a really great switch game plus i like the idea of a of more great indie games coming to the nintendo switch so those are the ones that i'm excited about killer queen black check it out look at the demo uh or the uh the the video if you haven't seen it it looks i just i'm very excited because that is such a fun game having played it in, in person at xoxo a couple of times um, you just triggered me, Jason. Did I? Yeah, you triggered me. You said Joust. I'd almost forgotten. Oh, Joust. That was one of my all-time favorite games. I loved that game 
so much. So clever when it first came out. Yeah, it's so very, clever. It's a very clever idea. I mean, the, that you're on a, I mean, flying ostrich and you're jousting with <laughs> buzzards or whatever. And I took my son to a uh, to an arcade museum here where they have, I mean, arcade museum. You pay to get in and then you can play as many video games as you want forever. Is <laughs> basically how that works. It's very. It's an interesting museum. Anyway, we they had a joust there and we were playing joust. And he pointed out something weird about joust that I've never seen in 30 years of playing joust, which is that um, when you knock one of the guys off uh, and uh, one of the bad guys, they become an egg and they hatch and um, and w- and the rider comes out of the egg and uh, and then it gets picked up. And he said, well, wait a second. The riders are birds. I thought the they were riding birds, and I was like, you know what? That doesn't make any sense at all. He's pointing out continuity errors I hadn't noticed in 30, 30 years. The answer is that they made an animation, and they reused it. That's the real answer, but I just... Anyway, Joust continuity errors, that's what people tune in for. Stephen, do you have any notes about about E3? Not WWDC, about E3 this week? Uh, yeah, I, I don't really play games. I've never really kind of been in that world, but one thing really caught my eye, and that was... Microsoft's announcement that they were scooping up a bunch of studios and sort of have this like new big approach. They've launched a studio called uh, The Initiative, I believe, um, out in Santa Monica, which anything in Santa Monica seems cool to someone who lives in the South. So <laughs> thumbs up there. Um, but in doing this, they've picked up a lot of IP and a lot of developers and designers. And uh, it seems like a big deal from where I sit, but I was curious as to what y'all thought being a little closer to the industry uh, of how big of a deal this may be. I mean, personally, I think it's delightful. Um, part of, I, I mean, obviously it's, it's no secret that it's a huge problem in video game creation, that it's extremely expensive to make games. So, and it's the same thing in, in studio movies too, right? You get a bunch of sequels because they're thought of as safe bets and you need to keep making money. That's also why we're seeing this sort of incursion of, of mobile game tactics into more traditional like gamey games, um, with, you know, timers and IAP in, in app purchases. Uh, I guess they call them loot boxes on the other side, but that sort of thing. But with the backing of a huge company like Microsoft, it's my hope that instead of seeing a bunch of safe bet kind of games, I'll see more of the weird, cool stuff that I like coming out of it um, as they're able to possibly um, do things that are riskier. That's my hope anyway. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the idea that Microsoft is is building this because there's another story we're going to talk about, about like big players kind of like trying to just control like huge amounts of of content generation along with everything else and this seems to be kind of like in there this has worked for microsoft in the past they they bought bungie right and they got halo as a franchise out of that which is a pretty good thing for the xbox as a platform um but you know who knows i i do wonder about like uh, the these can succeed, but they can also fail kind of wildly. But is this the new model that like literally everybody, every game console maker just has a bunch of studios uh, creating exclusives for their platform? I don't know. It's a uh, what a world. Shahid, what do you think? You you were on the inside at uh, at Sony for many many years. What do you think about Microsoft kind of uh, just uh, making? studios <laughs> tis the season for consolidation mm. that's that's what it's about but it's also about preparing for the next console cycle and they want to make sure they have content they don't want to be stung by the same problem they had this generation 
and which they still have, by the way, is a lack of content compared to the competition. I mean, on the one hand, you have PlayStation having utterly dominated the cycle, despite all the news of Nintendo. It's PlayStation that has dominated this cycle utterly, especially in terms of content and install base and so on. And then in their wake, they have Nintendo hoovering up everything that's ever appeared on any other platform, which was... Um, which you would have expected Microsoft to be able to do as well. Microsoft have not quite been able to keep pace while the attention has been on on Nintendo. I had the great pleasure of working with Ninja Theory. I commissioned Hellblade, which went on to, as you're probably well aware by now, win five BAFTAs. And commercially, it was a really big success. And they put a ton of their own money. Um, uh, while I was at PlayStation, I helped to get some exclusivity for PlayStation there. And I totally believed in that studio at that time, and I still believe in the studio now. And the reason they said they did this, because if you think about it from a customer perspective, it's not ideal, because if you're a PlayStation customer, that means you're not going to see a Ninja Theory game on a PlayStation now, which is a shame given that the last place you saw a Ninja Theory game exclusively, or semi-exclusively anyway, was, was on PlayStation. It was one of the best video games ever made. Um, so that's the downside. The upside is they get tremendous security and they took a huge risk with Hellblade. They wanted to create something that they called independent AAA, um, has plenty of other, other labels, some, uh, some more fashionable than others, but that's what they called it. And what they wanted to achieve was a creative way of getting really, really high quality content, a really high quality experience, but without spending an absolute fortune. That's what it boils down to. And that's that's something that I saw coming a long, long time ago and I helped the studios to achieve that vision while I was at PlayStation. That that was my focus. That's what I really wanted to achieve. That's happened now, right? So you have these independents that really shot up, really got big, and they're going some of them are going to get picked up, some of them are just going to remain independent, some become publishers, uh and a small minority will retire on their rich pickings. So this is a long-term play for Microsoft. I think beginning a next generation, they want to make sure they have all of these studios working on stuff that is really amazing for launch. They don't want to get stung uh, the next time around. It's also a play for getting some of this stuff into uh, the Gamer Pass, which is right now probably some of the best value you'll get in video games today. So good acquisition. Playground again. I know uh, Trevor Williams there. Outstanding outfit. They've done some tremendous work. Um, kind of not huge publicity, um, but they've created some great work. So that's a really powerful uh, acquisition and good for Playground there. The other acquisitions are good as well. It's a good play from Microsoft. It's a very sudden, very powerful move, but it is definitely one for the future. Well, it's almost as if we had an industry expert an insider <laughs> handicapping the purchases. Uh, Stephen, does that satisfy you? You got some more uh, more color there about uh, Microsoft's moves? I feel great. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Thank you, Shahid. Um, we have more to talk about. But first, I should tell you about our first sponsor on this episode of Download. It's Text Expander from our good friends over at Smile Software. You can communicate smarter with Text Expander. Here's how it works. You create snippets for the stuff that you type or copy and paste all the time. I have this. People ask me questions in email 
all the time. Uh, they're like, Jason, how do I advertise on your site? Or how can I get on your podcast? Or all those sort of things. And I find myself typing the same thing over and over again, looking up the same information over and over again. And I say to myself, this is dumb. Why am I doing this? This is where Text Expander solves the problem. You can set up a quick snippet for anything like, you know, here's how you subscribe, here's how you sign up, here's how you advertise, here's what our ad rates are, whatever you can think. Here's my email address, here's today's date. You can kind of pre-format it all in there, type a couple of letters, and boom, you've got the whole thing without you having to do any extra work. You will summon them in any app on the Mac, on iPad, on iPhone, on Windows, it saves you from typing the same things over and over again. And you can get lots of other ideas about ways to use Text Expander by going to textexpander.com slash blog. Like how to get Text Expander to fill in forms for you, including the tabs to move between items. Very clever. You can share your snippets with your team. So if you're working with more than one person and you're all getting those questions, you're all answering those questions, you can make sure that not only does everybody save time, but that everybody's answering in the same way. And if something changes, you can update the snippet and everybody gets the updated snippet. So you're always current. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast and you will get 20% off your first year. Just tell them that you heard about them on download. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Open it up in that web browser right now. 20% off your first year when you tell them you came from download. Thank you to Text Expander for their support of download. All right. Topic number two is Twitter. Uh, I feel like we talk about Twitter every few weeks, and Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong here, I feel like this line in our script just keeps coming back, which is, uh, Twitter has announced some changes to its product. What? Hmm. Seems Breaking news. Seems familiar. Uh, <laughs> this time, what they're doing is they say they're leaning into news and sports. Uh, just as Facebook is sort of backing away from the former, at least, Twitter will now put breaking news in users' timelines and even send push notifications for news stories Twitter thinks you will be interested in. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> these are U.S. only for now, and they can be turned off. Uh, news, sports, and more will now live in a new Explore tab. Stories will include text, photos, and video. So, um, I'm curious, panelists, is it a bold move for, uh, as Facebook is sort of like reluctant to uh, deal with news and spreading false news stories and things like that to have Twitter kind of lean into it. Um, and uh, what do you think? What do you think about these new moves to, to do notifications and breaking news and things like that? Shahid, what about you? Come on, Twitter. I mean, <laughs> what, what is wrong with you? I, what is it? People have never been able to define it. Is it some kind of infinite Hyde Park corner with anarchy and zero police? I don't know what, what, what it is. I, I tell you this much. I mean, they're squeezing out the third-party clients, the the very same third-party clients uh, who are now bound by API restrictions mm -hmm. that are used by people who helped define the halcyon days of Twitter for me. That's enough of a pain. So that now you're squeezed onto using their app, which, by the way, doesn't run on the Mac anymore. Is that right? Right. That's right. I So I use TweetBot 3 on the Mac. Uh, I use TweetBot on iOS. And of course, I can't do group direct messages. I can't take part in polls. Not that I care about polls, to be <laughs> frank. And I don't get Twitter's amazing, we know what's best for you timeline. <laughs> uh, I, I don't like Twitter's um, app. I don't like the way they're changing um, 
the API regulations. I don't like the way they're trying to force a particular type of experience on people. It works best when they don't do any of that, when when they don't care about any of that. But, you know, I, I, I think it was very hard for them to sell that to people who don't understand what Twitter was. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is more just see also why I never use an official Twitter client. And it's such a weird move. All we want, all anybody I've ever seen ask for, give me back my real-time line and get rid of the Nazis. <laughs> you know, <laughs> two, like, two simple requests. <laughs> but instead we get this, oh, well, oh, so this whole news thing worked out so well for Facebook that now that they're abandoning it for <laughs> for stupid reasons, I guess, we'll take on this mantle of... Who I, I'm extremely curious to see. Well, I'm a little bit curious in the way that it's interesting to watch Rome burn um, to see how this works out. Uh, Stephen, do you have any? You put this in the document. <laughs> do you have any feelings? More newer feelings about uh, what the heck Twitter is doing as it rearranges deck chairs or spins plates or whatever the metaphor is you want to have here? Yeah, there's definitely a sad metaphor in the middle of it. I just find it so interesting. That this is happening as other tech companies handle news in different ways. Like we see Facebook, they're getting, they've gotten rid of the trending box. They are sort of moving away from doing news because they, they got hit so hard uh, over the 2016 election and the fake news deal. We see Apple doing it in Apple's way. We see Google doing it in Google's way. They just uh, had some new stuff in Google news at IO and now Twitter's getting in it. And there's a question. I really feel like it's been a, thread throughout the year we've done download of like tech companies and news where they interact. And I just don't know if Twitter's way is going to work for them. Uh, just because putting it in notifications, putting it at the top of people's timeline. Um, I understand that Twitter is where people get a lot of their news. Honestly, it's where I get a lot of my news, yeah. both tech and political and world events. Like uh, that's cause I'm there all day and, and things come in, I can see them, but that's different than Twitter deciding, hey, you're interested in these topics. So I'm going to send you a push notification when news happens in one of these big topic buckets. Like that's a big step. And I'm, I just don't think their users are going to respond to it very well. It's different if I follow the New York Times and the Washington Post and like political reporters and space reporters. And as they tweet, they just can sort of filter down the left side of my Mac screen. That's different than lighting up my phone with a push notification. And I think a lot of people just at this point in our current era are sort of weary of that. And I just don't see it being hugely successful. Yeah. I, I get why they're doing this because Twitter is the best place to follow stuff that's happening, at least in real time. I feel like like that's it. That is its strength. So you want to play to your strengths. I use Nuzzle, which basically looks at your social feed and then summarizes the top stories based on people you follow or lists that you make. And I, I think that's a good product. And I think one of the reasons it's a good product is that Nuzzle's motivations aren't Twitter's motivations, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like, Nuzzle Mm -hmm. is not trying to increase Twitter engagement, right? It's trying to mine your Twitter feed for content. And I feel like Twitter... 
Twitter could make a good product if it did if it bought Nuzzle or it, it built something like Nuzzle, but it doesn't want that, right? It wants it wants to throw you into the 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 fire hose and of the conversation <laughs> and not like Nuzzle's all about reducing noise on Twitter and just surfacing the links that people post in your timeline, which is super useful actually. People who haven't tried N U Z Z E L, they should give it a try. But um, I think it speaks to why Twitter does what it does is. Twitter's goal is not really to get you a refined list of headlines that are being talked about right now. Twitter wants to uh, to engage you in their platform and have you get in arguments or whatever else that's going on. And and uh, you know that's not that's uh, that's I I am encouraged by the fact that Twitter keeps trying stuff because I feel like uh, at least they know that there's something wrong. But as Jessica pointed out, I'm not sure that they uh, know exactly what is actually wrong. <laughs> Oh well, it's a shame. We will uh, we will take another break and then talk a little bit more about some other stuff that's going on. But I want to tell you about uh, sponsor number two. It is Stephen. Stephen, we're brought to you by Meat again. We are. Uh, it's ButcherBox. These are the people who deliver thoughtfully sourced meat directly to your door. You can enjoy healthy grass fed beef, free range organic chicken, heritage breed pork, plus. Butcher box meats come from humanely raised animals that are never fed antibiotics, hormones, or fatty fillers. Here's how it works. Each butcher box comes with at least 8 to 11 pounds of meat, which is enough for 24 individual meals. You can choose from five different box types, including a custom box where you choose exactly how much you need and what you and your family will love. It's frozen at the peak of freshness in individual vacuum-packed biodegradable packaging and shipped for free with dry ice to make sure it stays frozen well after it reaches your doorstep. Also, you can melt the dry ice with hot water and make a horror movie in your kitchen. It's awesome. Um, And I have a sous vide machine, which means that thawing this stuff and getting it ready to go is super easy. I can actually just take one of the the vacuum-packed packages and throw it in a water bath and thaw it in a very short amount of time. Super convenient. Uh, We got their chicken thighs uh, and and some ground beef and some steak, and it was all very good. I'm actually going to place an order because I I want more of that chicken. It was so good. Um, and they do let you pick because we don't have pork in our house, and that was not a problem. They sent they sent us beef and chicken, and it was pretty great. You can find recipes on the ButcherBox website or follow along with their videos on their YouTube channel. Uh, for a limited time, though, here here's the deal. Best deal in podcasting. You can get $10 off plus uh, free bacon by going to butcherbox.com and clicking on the big ba- bacon banner on the homepage. That's right. Use the promo code DOWNLOAD10 and ch- check out. You will get free bacon for life. I don't know what that means, uh, but they want me to say free bacon for life and $10 off. Act fast. This is for a limited time only. Go to butcherbox.com. And enter offer code DOWNLOAD10, $10 off, free bacon for life, whatever that means. Thanks to ButcherBox for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So, Stephen, I, I don't, since I don't do pork, we don't get the free bacon for life, alas. Alas. I'm going to have to just settle for chicken. It's fine. Turkey bacon? It's good stuff. Turkey it's bacon, good. they don't offer that, the turkey bacon. Oh, well. Uh, I will always remember this show forever because it's where I first heard Jason say, Big Bacon Banner. Was I never <laughs> Big Bacon Banner. You know, I've never said that before either, but now we've all done it. Brought to you by Meat. Anyway, uh, now it's time for the story you might have missed, something that may have flown under your radar, but is probably worth mentioning on a podcast. And this is a podcast, so why not mention it? The battle for national supercomputing pride has continued. The U.S. Department of Energy and IBM unveiled something called Summit. It's a supercomputer located in Tennessee. Hey, Stephen. Woo! 
<laughs> you got a you got a supercomputer in your backyard? Did that happen? Is that what happened? You know, it's powered by a bunch of uh, Power Mac G fours. You just like tape oh. them together. Amazing things happen. <laughs> it's that it's that super. They're actually at Oak Ridge, uh, not in Memphis. Uh, they have a peak performance summit does of two hundred petaflops. That's a lot of flops. Uh, we should steal the title of the world's fastest supercomputer back from China's Sunway Taihu Light, which was the champion. Summit takes up fifty six hundred square feet of floor space. Wow, that's like four of my houses. And way I only have the one house, but my house four times. Weighs 340 tons. That's a big computer. That is heavier than a 15-inch MacBook Pro. It's connected by 185 miles of fiber optic cable and can store 250 petabytes of data. And by the way, in 20 years, you'll be able to get that on your, on your wrist in a watch, probably. Right. That's just to put it all in perspective. Anyway, USA, USA takes the supercomputer lead for now. But, you know, it goes back and forth, apparently. Okay, um, topic number three is more mergers, merger mania. Shahid mentioned this before in the games industry. It's true everywhere. AT&T and Time Warner's merger here in the U.S. was approved by a U.S. district court judge this week. He imposed no conditions on the merger's approval, which surprised a lot of observers. They were like, yeah, go ahead. It's fine. This means AT&T will be able to buy Time Warner, which owns cable channels CNN, TBS, TNT, as well as Warner Brothers. If you think about like Harry Potter, DC Comics, that's all in there along with uh, its current ownership AT&T has of satellite TV provider DirecTV. So AT&T is not just about phones anymore. Very shortly thereafter, Comcast, the cable company, which also owns NBC, the TV network, and Universal, the movie studio, announced that it's going to bid for Fox going head-to-head with Disney, which also owns ABC and its own movie studio and a couple of other major movie studios in a race toward vertical consolidation in the entertainment and communication world. So my question panelists is i mean on one level what i want to ask you is so is this good for anybody other than the big corporations and i feel like i'm gonna know the answer there so i'm gonna try to spin this in a slightly different direction like when the entire world is like choosing a cellular carrier which you've got a you know a small number of choices of giant companies um is that uh, is, will the giants fight for our business? Is there going to be real competition here, or is this among the giants? Or is is there is there a positive story here, or is this just we're headed for a world where everything is going to be giant vertically um, vertically aligned companies? Jessica, tell me tell me what you think about this. <laughs> Yeah, I never thought I'd feel like I was backing the underdog by having Fios for my for my yeah. television. Scrappy service. Verizon, oh little Scrappy <laughs> Verizon, all they own is Yahoo. What? A- yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not saying too much, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I I can't I cannot approve of this move, and I do not feel that my government should have approved. Of course. It's just a disaster. Your locales. I, I'm pretty sure that when I lived in Atlanta, my choices were AT and T or Time Warner for my home mm. internet and tele, television service. So now, I guess in my old hood, it'll be well. You've got one choice. I hope you like it. So Time Warner Cable. Here's one of the confusing things. Time Warner Cable oh, no. is a separate company, and then, ah, okay. and then there is Time Warner. And we think of Time Magazine and all of those magazines. Those were sold off and now are being resold again. <laughs> 
So all that stuff is kind of not part of it. This is really the Warner Brothers and all of the formerly Turner-like cable channels that are going in this package to AT&T. So Time Warner Cable will still yet be another giant that, that is not much of a, a choice when you're choosing your... Congratulations for having had a choice. I have oh. no choice. Comcast yeah. is my own. The world we I'm live sorry. In. Yeah, well, no competition is worse than competition among giants, right? Like, at least uh, there's some competition. Bit. Maybe. A little bit. Nobody loves their cable company. Nobody loves their cell phone provider, I think. Um, yeah. Shahid, wow. what do you think about uh, the race toward vertical integration? The Fox stuff may it may impact the UK as well. There's this whole question about who's going to buy Sky Broadcasting uh, because Fox owns a piece of it now, and that would mean that that Comcast would own a piece of it or Disney would own a piece of it. This is this has got global implications too. Yeah, when people run out of ideas, this is what happens. You know, they they got so much money, they they're too scared to innovate because it might break things. And then they go for these enormous consolidations and and mergers, um, murders and executions. I keep coming back to in the <laughs> American Psycho whenever I hear mergers and acquisitions. I just can't help it. And that is what happens. Loads of people yeah. uh, will eventually lose their jobs, uh, and those people will end, well, some of those people will end up being very grateful for that because they'll go on to form the companies that disrupt these giants. And that's that's one thing, right? That's just the commercial implications. Part of a cycle, it will repeat. You'll get innovation again. You'll get um, upstarts coming to knock these people off their purchase. But the thing that concerns me whenever I see this kind of announcement is when a communications giant and a media giant merges, that is never good. Mm. I'm reminded there's a um, there's a line in Thirty Rock where uh, where Alec Baldwin's character is explaining to Tina Fey's character what vertical integration is. What's vertical integration? Imagine that your favorite corn chip manufacturer also owned the number one diarrhea medication. That'd be great because then they could put a little sample of the medicine in each bag. Keep thinking. Except then they might be tempted to make the corn chips give you vertical integration. Wow, that should not be allowed to happen. <laughs> in, in, in communication area, I hate exclusives or limited releases because you do often get into this place where like two a kind of opposed companies that are fighting for your business where you're only ever going to have one. So let's say like Comcast and AT&T with DirecTV. You're you're not going to have multiple TV providers or multiple cell phone carriers, let's say, would be another example. But both of them want your business. So both of them own these entertainment companies and they make TV shows that are only available on their platforms. And if they do that, and game exclusives are similar, um, and, uh, you know, if, if they do that, you end up in a situation where you literally have to just choose one or the other because you can't have both. And it, and that's really the worst scenario for consumers. And there are gradations in there. And I, that, that's the thing that always bothers me is that this inevitably leads to a question of, well, how do I get this thing? And the answer is you have to switch to their whole platform and you can't. And so you can't get it. It's just and infuriating. That, that's made... More complicated, the fact that net neutrality is now a thing of the past in the U.S., right? It, it, it opens the door to all that stuff being worse, which I think is why so many of us feel sort of icky about this coming down without any limitations. You know, when NBC bought Comcast, they had, I believe, a five-year uh time period where they could not do certain things and net neutrality sort of superseded some of the some of their exact legal restrictions. Uh, but now we're back in the wild west and 
That's uh, that's concerning. Well, it's not stopping. Like it seems like it's only accelerating, and um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, it doesn't feel like it's good for consumers. And that that was the thing about the Disney buying Fox thing is like, as a comic book nerd, I'm like, oh, it would be great for Marvel to get the X-Men back, right? But as a person who lives on the planet, I, I my thought is, oh, great, uh, an even larger conglomerate selling me all of these different aspects. Um, hard to get excited about that. But Shahid, I like your I like the optimism of from these giants emerge uh, the the renegades who form the the uh, the next wave of things that disrupts them. It's either that or we're going to just end up in cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. It never happens. You never see that complete dystopia. It's always cyclical. You know, Trump will move on. There'll be someone else. It won't be as bad. Um, just when you think it's going to be the end of the world, the human race surprises us and we move on to another plateau and we get all confused and we get, you know, destroyed by our smartphones and then our smartphones save our lives. You know, it's all, <laughs> it's all a cycle. It's, it's all good. I like that. That, that would be yeah. enough right there to end the show on. Right there, because that was like a, a happy ending. But we do have a segment that oh, we like God. to have at the end of the show where we give everybody a really like nice send off where they feel good. And last week you didn't do it. We're going to do it, it last it week. Took, <laughs> it took a dark turn last week because I read a fuzzy puppy update that um, did not end well for the puppy. And Mm-mm. I, uh, anyway, I don't know what got into me. It was WWDC. Things were confusing. We did the podcast in person. Um, so I'm sorry about that. I, as penance, I'm going to give you two, 100% guaranteed happy stories involving puppies to end this podcast. Story number one, puppy update number one, Datelight, Dateline, Tulsa, Oklahoma, a puppy stuck in a storm drain. And you're thinking to yourself, oh no, this isn't good, Jason. There's a puppy in a storm drain. What will happen to the puppy? And my answer is a firefighter climbed down all the way down into the bottom of the storm drain and rescued the trapped puppy, which... After reaching the surface, the puppy gave grateful kisses to the firefighter. Ah, now is that better? Are we feeling better better. now? All right, we'll move on to number two. Dateline, Montgomery County, Texas, near Houston. A puppy was surrendered to the Montgomery County Animal Shelter with what the shelter's rescue coordinator called the single worst case of mange I'd ever seen. Now, again, I know you're thinking to yourself, Jason, this is bad. Something bad happened to this puppy. Mange is a highly contagious skin disease caused by mites. However, here's the good news again. Good news. Madeline, the puppy, was treated with medication. She was isolated for three weeks in a worker's uh, garage. She has undergone an amazing transformation. She looks like a happy, normal, fuzzy puppy again and is getting a brand new home in Phoenix, Arizona. See, that's how it's supposed to work. I think we all feel better now. Everybody is happy. It all worked out. And that brings us to the end of Download this week. It's okay. it's going to be okay. <laughs> Jessica, where can people find you and the stuff that you do? Um, so right now you can principally find me on uh, the podcast Ruffled Feathers. Uh, you can find me at ruffledfeathers.xyz and, of course, on Twitter at Jessica Dennis. I love the XYZ domain extension. That's great. And uh, Shahid, where can people find the stuff that you do? Well, people can find me on Remaster FM mm-hmm. and they can also find me on Twitter at Shahid Kamal. And hopefully we will find the thing that you're working on at some point in the future, but not yet. Yes, but not yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to say. It is cool, though. It is, it is cool. There is a game. It is in the works. 
There are mysterious yes. oblique tweets that occur from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> but we know no more until then. Steven, how'd I do? Did I, you think I got him back? You think I earned uh, a little bit more, like a little bit of trust back? I think so. It's going to take some time. You yeah. really... <laughs> we got to heal. Man. As a, as a nation in a podcast, we have to heal about what happened with the Fuzzy Puppy Update last week. Well, we will be back, back next week for me to earn a little more of your trust back in the Fuzzy Puppy Update. And, of course, to talk about the news of the week. Um, Jessica and Shahid, thank you very much for being here. Steven, thank you for producing the show. Everybody else out there, thanks for sticking with us and coming back after what happened last week with the Fuzzy Puppy Update. We will be watching the headlines so you don't have to. I've been your host, Jason Snell. Goodbye. Goodbye.